Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. The first thing that I want to do is read Psalm 27. Um, which, of course, was part of our worship this morning. And that's where we're going to start. So it says, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evil doors came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though the war rise against me, In spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In his secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with joy of praise or with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a path that is level because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desires of my adversaries, For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So everyone here probably knows someone that is suffering. Maybe it's you. This time of year with the holidays, it can be really hard. There are a lot of things that we think about and that we deal with during the holidays. The loss of loved ones. Some people are isolated, especially this year. There's a lot of rejection from friends and family because of personal choices that we've made. There's heightened anxiety and depression that seems to come in the holiday season and fear and torment and even to the point that some people start to think about suicide. And this morning, I am here to talk to you about hope. I want to share a little bit of my story, and then I want to pray for you guys. And we are going to break these things that come against us in these holiday seasons. We are going to go after these things this morning and see God move mightily in everyone's life that needs to be delivered from fear or from one of these places. So if you guys walk away with anything at all today, I really hope that you'll believe this or that you'll hear this, remember this. 
I can believe for it. And I want you to fill in the blank. I can believe for depression to be gone. I can believe not to be stuck in grief any longer. I can believe to face the difficult situation in my life and believe God for the impossible in it. So I want you to just think about that as we talk about these things today and as I share a little bit about my story because it's about believing for God to show up in all of the difficult places. So Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Spirit. Now, a couple of disclaimers. I know that we each have our own journey. We cannot compare my loss or my journey to any of your journeys. We all have our own. But we can learn from each other, and we can learn from the tools that we receive as we walk through that journey. So I felt like the enemy would try to come this morning and that he would say to some things like, oh, you know, she's not been through what you have. Your story's different. That's true, your story's different. But don't let the enemy come this morning and in any way bring those voices that will say that he won't do this for you or that your story is different, that we don't know what you've been through. And here's why. God knows every single person here. He knows your story. He knows everything that you've been through. And that's all that really matters, right, is that God knows right where we are and that he's going to meet us there. And that's my prayer this morning, that the Lord will meet us there. So, Lord, as I share my story, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to just keep our hearts open to hear what you want to say individually to every one of us today. God, we want to receive that deliverance from you. We want to walk out of this place free. So, God, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. So I'm going to share a few things about my story, and then I'm going to share some tools that I've learned and some things that we use to minister to people. So a lot of you guys probably don't realize some of the things that I've been through, and it's easy to see someone that does inner healing ministry, and when you come to see them, and maybe they walk in a lot of peace, and they seem to have it together, but we all have a story. And we all have difficult things that we walk through. And it's those difficult things that give us a testimony and that give us the power to help other people. So I've been really sick two times in my life. The first time, um, and both of these times, honestly, I was not sure in the midst of these storms that I would still be here today. I mean, it was that severe. In my early 30s, I had um, uterine fibroids, and I was bleeding internally into my uterus. And so there's no way to really check those things to know if they're cancer or not. But I walked through a journey of being given a drug to stop the hormone processes in my body. So in my early 30s, my body was thrown into this state of, you know, like we would experience many, many years later. I lost my hair and had to wear wigs. I could hardly swallow to eat. I weighed 85 pounds. I was anemic. I couldn't have walked to the back of this building without having to sit down. Um, I was just really, really sick. 
Um, so a crucial moment in that part of my story was the day that my husband and I went to see a hematologist. And I had a reaction to iron when they tested me. So they didn't want to do iron IVs to try to get my hemoglobin up. It was around a 6, and it needed to be a 10 to be able to have surgery. And so we went into this um, office of a hematologist, and we spoke with her, and she basically said this over me. She said, I don't know why they sent you. I just don't see any way that we can do anything orally. Like, I don't think you can take enough iron to get your hemoglobin where it needs to be. But, you know, we'll, we'll try. I mean, I, it really felt like, you know, goodness, where's the hope? And so in that moment, I remember my husband and I getting on the elevator. And I remember saying to him, I am going to believe God for a miracle. And when I come back, my hemoglobin is going to be high enough to have surgery. And I'm going to recover. Like it's like something rose up inside of me on that day. We called my dad which I often did, and my dad said, girl, I'm praying for you. So for a couple of weeks was what they gave me. I literally took these great big, they were kind of big capsules, and I would dump the iron out of the capsule and put it in my mouth and drink orange juice, which was the very best way that they were saying that my body would absorb that. So I did that. So belief for it, right? We're believing for a miracle, so I went back to the doctor. My hemoglobin was a 10.2. They immediately scheduled surgery. I had surgery, had to wait for my report, and the report came back, no cancer. And I had six weeks, you know, of course, of just normal recovery from the surgery, and then I had years of my body recovering because I had to gain the weight and, and get better. But, you know, God showed up, and it wasn't just in that moment, but that's the moment that I felt like he wanted me to share with you, is that he showed up, and he caused something to happen inside of my body that man didn't believe was possible to happen. So now I'm going to fast forward about 10 or 12 years, and again, I began to be really sick, and I wasn't sure what was going on. I found out at that time that, like, my adrenals were not working, my thyroid was not doing what it was supposed to, my hormones were all gone. It was kind of like my body had just stopped doing what it was supposed to do, and I was not in a good place at all. But the fear, because of what I had experienced before, and trying to get through this was, was really bad because I was experiencing the same kinds of things. I was anxious, I was shaky. I was having trouble swallowing. I was having a hard time eating again. And I could just see myself, you know, back at that place because that's what the enemy wanted me to see. But God came and he began to show me that I needed to believe him and to align with him. So I remember this one Sunday, it was early when we had just come probably about 13 years ago in the gym. And I was sick that day, and Lonnie and I left service early, and I went home, and I was in the bed that afternoon, and I had a vision. And in that vision, it was like my grandmother, I was awake, but my grandmother's face came from a distance, and she came right up in front of me. My grandmother had passed away at that time. She was in heaven with the Lord, but she spoke these exact words to me. I wrote them down in a journal. She said, the enemy is hard after you, but I am praying for you. 
And when you come out of this season, you will have your foot on the enemy's neck. Now, in that moment, I thought, wow, when I'm not sick anymore, when I get over whatever this is, that actually began a season. And that season, um, here are some of the things that happened. We lost a grandbaby to anencephaly. Um, My dad became really sick. And one day, my mom called me, and I met them at the VA hospital. And they had said there was nothing else that they could do for him. And so we brought my mom and my dad, and they stayed in our home with us, and we brought hospice in. And a few days later, on September 22nd, 2013, my dad passed away. And it was actually an amazing time. God so showed up in that moment, and there was beauty in in him going home to be with the Lord. He wasn't in pain anymore and things of that nature, but it was also difficult. My mom had a really hard time. They had been married 52 years, I think, at the time that my dad passed away. She had just never known anything else, so she was grieving and walking through that, and she was staying with us in our home, and exactly three weeks later, On a Sunday morning, it was a Sunday that my dad passed away. On Sunday morning, October 13th, I felt my husband kicking in the bed. And I thought, well, he must be dreaming. So it was around 6 a.m. It was still dark outside. Um, I sat up and I tried to wake him up and I realized that he was completely unconscious, unable to respond. His eyes were open, but he was not at all present, not there. And I remember in that moment saying, God, do you want me to call 911 or do you want me to pray? I mean, I know that sounds hilarious, but I just, we so engage prayer first for things. But I heard the Lord and I heard his voice. It was almost like an audible voice. And he said, call 911. So I did. And I also called Matt. Of course, we had the ambulance come. There were many miracles in the midst of what happened with my husband. So we wound up at the hospital. Matt Peterson was there with me. Um, The doctors didn't seem to really know much of what to do, and they wound up calling in a specialist. His name was Dr. Heck, and he was in a church service. So he left a church service to come and to do a procedure for my husband. Now, Lonnie had had the blood flow blocked to the whole left side of his brain from the main artery on that side for many hours at this point. And so Dr. Heck came in and he said, you know, there's, there's one chance. We have this one way that I can go in and I can try to grab this clot, hope we don't lose any of it to cause any more problems, but I think it's the only shot we have. So he gave us just like a couple of minutes to pray and make a decision. And I remember signing paperwork and, you know, they took my husband back. Um, And in that moment, one of the things that happened was I was in the waiting room and I remember someone walking up to me and they were saying, how are you doing? Like, are you doing okay? And I remember my response. My response was, yes, like I'm, I'm good. God is good. Like, I had so much faith and so much hope that Lonnie was going to recover even when everything was totally against that. It was like something inside of me just knew that God is going to perform a miracle. 
Like, we are going to see a miracle. Um, So I was waiting, and Matt was there. A few other people had come in. A few hours later, Dr. Heck walked into the um, room where we were, the waiting room, and he said, are you Dawn? And I said, yes. And he said, do you know how I know? And so Matt and I both just completely broke down, and he said, your husband told me. So I knew that, okay, the procedure had been, you know, a positive thing. Now, we started a journey. We were in ICU, then we were in a a room, then we were in rehab for several weeks. I didn't even go home. During that time, I stayed um, at the hospital, and Lonnie had a long journey. Even though he had said my name, he was completely pretty much paralyzed on the right side, and it started to come back gradually. So he had to learn to walk and eat and use his right hand again and just, you know, all the things that come with that. So we went home, um, you know, several weeks after that, and I realized that, wow, I've lost my dad. My mom is not doing well and, and grieving and really stuck in grief. Um, And as we got home, I started to realize that, wow, the man that I married is not here any longer because the traumatic brain injury of a stroke changes a person. It changes their personality. He didn't remember when we got married. He didn't remember really many things at all. It's like a lot of his memory was lost in that. Um, So, I mean, it was a journey, right? But belief for it, We went a little bit later to an appointment with a neurologist. This was several months later, and Lonnie had been getting better and better. And this um, neurosurgeon, he walked in, and he had his chart, and he looked at Lonnie, and Lonnie was sitting in the chair like he had walked in. He was sitting there, and he looked at it, so he left the room. I think he thought he had the wrong patient. So in a few minutes, he walked back in, and he's got that, and he said, what's your name? My husband said, Lonnie, and he said, there's absolutely no way that you're the person that I'm looking at in this chart. And he said to us, come with me. So we walked down this corridor um, into his personal office, and before the appointment, he had put up the pictures in his office of the patient that he was going to see. And so he said, do you see this? And he pointed to a screen where there was no blood flow at all to the left side of my husband's brain in that picture. I mean, it was dark. And the other side you could see was full of, like, life. Um, And it's kind of a black and white, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's contrast. It's not like in color, but you can definitely see it. And he began to say, there's absolutely no way that this man is the man who had the stroke. And we were like, yes, he is. God is good. And I don't believe that this neurosurgeon actually believed in God um, because he kept saying other things. And I would say, no, but God is good. And he would say something else. And Lonnie would say, but God is good. So it's been eight years, right, since my dad passed away, since my husband had the stroke. And, you know, against all odds, We went to um, counseling shortly after all of this happened, and we were told that with the kind of brain injury that my husband had, that marriages don't make it. And I'll never forget that day because my husband said to the counselor, without me saying a thing, he said, 
Divorce is not an option. We're both all in. And I'm here to tell you that if you're both all in, a marriage can survive anything. I really believe that with all of my heart. So in the next couple of years, Lonnie's mom passed away. His dad passed away. I was dealing with hard things with my mom and going through um, restoration, which is a whole nother story that I'm not going to share with you guys today. And I had one of my friends, Leslie, who was one of my best friends, um, passed away during that time. She had been the person that would come to my house on Saturday mornings when I was so sick. And she would literally put my tennis shoes on my feet and say, now, come on, we're going to take a walk. And I'd cry and I'd say, I can't. She'd say, yes, you can. We're going to make it to the mailbox today. Well, it's about a quarter of a mile out to the mailbox and back where we lived on our driveway. But she would come and she would help me with that. And she was sick for a little while, but um, so I lost my friend Leslie. And then shortly after that, um, my dear friend and ministry partner, Debbie Reed, that a lot of you guys probably know, knew and remember, um, passed away. So I'm sharing all of these things because I want you guys to understand that, number one, for my, most of my 30s and my 40s, I was very sick, and I did not believe that I would have a normal life again. I didn't believe that I'd be able to do fun things with my grandkids. I mean, the enemy really had tried to keep me in a place of hopelessness. So me overcoming these things has been a big part, not only of my testimony, but of my ministry, because I do understand what it's like to be in difficult places. They're different than what a lot of you have experienced, but they're very real. Um, so I just want to share with you guys that coming from a place of not knowing how I would make it, trying to, you know, get through grief and loss and my own self and helping my husband walk through a healing journey at the same time that I was walking through a healing journey, um, my mom being in the home with us for a season, you know, all of those things were a whole lot to have in one season. But that word from my grandmother was true, right? That when you come out of this season, you'll have your foot on the enemy's neck. So what does the Bible say about grief? I did want to read this one um, verse to you, and I actually added this, so I don't think the guys have it, but it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. And it says, but we do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. We have hope in every single place, whether it's a loss that we've had, um, whether it's something that we're believing for, I believe today that God is going to move. I am going to pray for you guys here in a moment um, and share some tools with you. I do want you guys, if you could now, to um, put up the picture, the first one. So this is me at the top of Hanging Rock. Now, I'm going to tell you for like 20 years of my life, I never believed that I would be able to hike again or do anything like that again. But that was me the first time, arms in the air, 
tears flowing down my face, thanking God for what he has done in my life and to be able to do that. So you know what? No matter where you are, you can believe God for the mountaintop. You can believe God for him to do what it is that you need in your life. So can you show the other two pictures? These are just two pictures to show you. This is my husband. This was just um, two years ago. And then the next picture was this year. Married 25 years against all odds, right? So now I just want to share with you a few things that I've learned and that I feel are really significant to walk through these difficult places and have freedom. One is it's up to each one of us to pursue our own journey because nobody else can do it for us. I have a counselor. I have people that minister to me. Just because I was an inner healing minister didn't mean that I had all the tools that I needed and that I didn't need outside help. So we have awake freedom here. We have pastoral care. And if you don't know where to go and and you're looking a referral, we will help you find a place to get what you need outside of, you know, what you can believe for in God. In other words, there are places that we might need somebody else's help along the way. You know, fear, grief, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, will always attract what is needed to justify their existence, right? If we are in fear, right, then the enemy is going to try to bring everything he can just to keep us in the what if. Oh my goodness, what about this? What if it's this? Right, so we have to, in those places, we must come out of agreement with every lie and cast down vain imaginations. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For we walk in the flesh, but we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This was a key for me. I had to continue to, when I had a lie come in, I had to say, no, I will not agree with you. I come out of agreement with that, and I was asked God for his truth. That's one of the tools that we use in Awake Freedom. We can have trauma bonds to time, and to land based on the things that happened to us. And I want to give you two stories, one or two examples. One is that um, when my husband had the stroke, I woke up that day in our bed, right, in our home. And it was a traumatic event. And so I knew that if I didn't ask the Lord to clean that up, that I would wake up in that bed feeling the same fear, feeling the same things, right? So I knew that I needed to clean those things up. So that's something I'm going to pray with you guys today at the end of this, is we're going to clean up the things where the enemy is trying to use something that has caused you to be stuck in time or to be stuck in a way that this trauma bond has been created. Another example of this that I have permission to share is Tanya Couch. So her son, her and Scott um, have son Justin, and Justin was killed in a car accident a few years ago. And they received a phone call in the really early morning hours. 
and the phone call was to tell them what had happened. He had had an accident and burned in the car. Well, a few months later, Tanya came with Joel one day, and we were praying for that family as a staff. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge that there was a trauma bond to time. And so Tanya said that she'd been waking up every single morning tormented since the day that that happened. So we prayed that day and we asked the Lord to break that trauma bond to time and to remove it. And do you know, she never woke up again with that torment. We're going after those things today. We're going to break off the places where anything like that has held on to you. Another thing is letting go of expectations is necessary, right? We have to let go sometimes of our expectation so that God can move. I could not hold on to my expectation of what my marriage would look like after the stroke because it's never been the same. But until I could let go of all the expectations that I had, God could not birth what he wanted to birth. And we couldn't have the marriage that he wanted us to have. And we're still working out that journey. Like we're still walking in that and giving God every day any expectation. Any expectation that my husband would remember something he doesn't remember. Or that, um, you know, he would be a certain way. Because when we got married, like I said, he's not that person. He's different. But God has rebirthed. With my mom... Um, I really never had a great relationship with my mom. And like I said, that's a whole different story. But until I let go of the expectations of what I wanted my mom to be and what I expected, God couldn't birth what he wanted us to have. I can say that there's restoration. And my mom and I have had some amazing times together and that we really have a beautiful relationship. And people that see us would never know that it was new that it was just in probably the last five years that we've had that relationship. Um, Another key, intimacy with Father Jesus and Holy Spirit and knowing the Word are the lifeline. They're everything. We, finding that safe place in God, that intimacy with God is very significant. You know, John 8, 31 and 32 Jesus said this to the disciples. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right, so that is really important. The foundation was intimacy with God and knowing the word to get through these hard times. It's where those promises come from. Another thing that I learned just because God feels absent in a moment does not mean that he is, right? Because if we believe what the word says, then we know that God is always with us and that he's never not going to be with us. Um, In Joshua 1.9, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And there are lots of places that talk about that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's always going to be there. And that is true. So another thing is Jesus has suffered in every way possible. And he can come and the Holy Spirit can come and comfort us in those places. 
And then I'm just going to share a couple more. We won't have all the answers now. We have to trust God in the mystery. You know, there are things that people come and ask, why did this happen? Why did this person have to die? Why did I have to go through this? Why did your husband have to have a stroke if God is good? You know what? We don't have all the answers. There's mystery in God. His ways are higher than ours. Um, but we can trust him. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been known. And Proverbs 25, 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. I just have two more things really quick. Um, God's restoration is greater than we can imagine. I have seen that over and over and over in my life. Ephesians 4.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. And last, ministry to others in the midst of hard times will bless us and bring healing. Suffering can be a meaningful part of our testimony as our victory in Christ brings authority to both stay free and set others free. You know, Isaiah 61 talks about that there's going to be, that we will get to as we come into this place of victory. We will be able to comfort those who mourn. We will, um, with Jesus, give garland instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning. Um, we will be oaks of righteousness. And in that place, we get to rebuild the ancient ruins. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.